Welcome to the free sermon podcast of the Potter's House Church in Virginia Beach, affiliated with Christian Fellowship Ministries. Our vision is winning souls, making disciples, and planting churches. It's Monday, and we are posting an instant classic for your inspiration. This message may come from anywhere around the globe, but is sure to stay with you for years to come. Make sure to subscribe from wherever you're listening to continue hearing life-changing messages. If you like what you hear, please support World Evangelism by subscribing to the premium version of this podcast for even more sermons. Links are in the show notes. Enjoy today's sermon. Hello. Praise God. Amen. Hebrews chapter 13. If you'll turn there, Hebrews, the 13th chapter. Amen. I'm as nervous as a hog in the backyard of a butcher shop. (laughs) Hebrews 13. This this is officially the largest crowd I've ever preached to. And so if I throw up in the middle of the sermon, bear with me. It's all part of the the process. I so do appreciate the invitation to come and minister. It's a great honor to be invited to come and minister to this great body of uh, believers. And uh, I stand in awe every, every evening of the conference. I have to be honest, I go to the front and I stand in awe as I look and, and uh, uh, see what God has done out of a hot dog stand. I remember our first pastor saying, we're going to take the world and sitting around and... and the, the sanctuary wasn't even as big is as, as probably about twice, twice as, or half the size of, of this platform. And I'm thinking, we ain't got enough people to take the block. <laughs> and, uh, but oh, what God has done. Uh, and, <clears throat> and so I want to minister a sermon, and I so appreciate every, every uh, uh, pastor this week. I mean, from the very beginning... Uh, I've been up, uh, you know, last night, you know how it is, you don't sleep, you, 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 you know, I'm, 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 you know, just, uh, everybody's trampled on the sermon, amen, as uh, Pastor Martinez and Coda just decimated it yesterday, Pastor Williams, from the very get-go, Pastor Williams, about what, what are we passing on, and I'm just sitting there, you know, it's like, oh my God, but think about this. The reason that we've done what we've done in Chandler and our fellowship as a whole, the reason we've done what we've been able to do is because we pass on the clean water. Because we're very careful to what we put into our men and we're very careful as as Christians guarding our lives and to maintain our testimony. There are things that have been discussed this week about our evangelism, our testimonies, all these different things. These are things that ensure that we pass on the clean water to the next disciples. And, uh, and so I want to preach a sermon uh, uh, called Outside the Gates. And we're going to read a scripture in Hebrews 13, and, and Paul uh, makes an interesting statement. He says, we have an altar And we have a specific altar. It's not like any other altar. We worship in a certain way that other people do not. Even those that call themselves Christians, 
We don't worship at the same altar that the vast majority of uh, popular Christianity. We have a specific altar, and uh, in the sermon, I'm going to show you a picture of something, and that's our altar. But Hebrews chapter 13, uh, starting with verse uh, uh, number 10, it says, We have an altar from which those who minister at the tabernacle have no right to eat. The high priest carried the blood of animals uh, into the most high place as a sin offering, but the bodies were burned outside the camp. And so Jesus also suffered outside the city gate to make the people holy through his own blood. Let us then go to him outside the camp, another translation, outside the gate, bearing the reproach uh, that he bore, for we do not have an enduring city, but we're looking for the city which is to come. And uh, 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 verse 15, uh, through Jesus, therefore, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise, the fruit of our lips that confesses his name. So I want to talk to you, first of all, about, uh, we have to establish a biblical truth here, and that is that Christ suffered for you and I, okay? Isaiah chapter 53 goes into detail about how uh, uh, he was marred and, and uh, tortured. Verse uh, 53, 4, surely he has borne our griefs, he's carried our sorrows, this is a picture of carrying the cross, yet we did esteem him not stricken, smitten of God, afflicted, verse 5, he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquity. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes, we're healed. And so he's making a statement there that, that uh, this, this prophecy, 500 years before Jesus is born, he makes this prophecy and he says, there is something that you're going to have to understand about the Messiah. He's going to suffer horribly for you and I. So the question arises, why did Christ suffer in the first place? I mean, why go through that? Because the issue is one of atonement. Listen to me. What is atonement? Very simple. Suffering satisfies a holy God's judgment. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 1. It's a, this is the Old Testament, and it speaks about substitution. There was a substitution and a sacrifice that was made in place uh, of the other person. So in other words, just like in the Old Testament, you would bring a substitution for your sin. If you, if you fornicated, if you stole something, if you violated someone, if you, if you, if you, you, you committed manslaughter, uh, there was an atonement, there was a sacrifice that you brought in in replace that and that atoned for your sin and in the New Testament Jesus is the atonement of our sin he's the substitution you and I could never earn heaven you and I no matter how good we are we could never work our way to heaven we could never do enough good deeds because we're fallen man we're unholy and but and God out of his love he sends his son down to be the substitution for you and I, 
Amen. Isaiah 53, again, he's borne our griefs. He's carried our sorrows. He was wounded for our transgressions. He's, he's bruised for our iniquities. And so he's making the point here. Christ suffered not for himself. He suffered for you and I. Every one of us here. You know, the danger is, it, it, you ever catch yourself complaining? You ever catch yourself, you know, you know, just, you know, molly-grubbing, feeling sorry for yourself, and, you know, oh, pastor rebuked me, and, oh, it's so bad, and, oh, outreach again is hot, you know, then it's cold, and it's windy, and it's wet, and it's always something, you know, but, but we tend to complain. Well, you know what? Ain't nobody here gone through anything that Jesus went through. And so the gospel is very clear. Through his suffering, he purchased our salvation. Luke twenty-two forty-four. he sweated great drops of blood. Matthew 27, the crown of thorns is placed on his head. He's nailed to the cross. These all have to do with atonement. The crown of thorns is placed on his head that you and I can be delivered from mental torment. His hands are nailed. This atones. This brings forgiveness to the sins that you've committed with your hands. The things that your hands did that you should have not. His feet are nailed to the cross in forgiveness of those places that our feet took us to that we had no business going to. Matthew 27, 34, it's interesting that here even they see his torment and even the Roman soldiers are, give, him some, give him some bitter gall and, and, and people always read that, the vinegar, and they're like, what, what exactly? This was a fermented mixture and, and, uh, uh, and what it was, they would put it on a sponge and they dipped it and they lifted it up and they put it to his mouth and they're wanting him to suck on this. They're wanting him to suck the, 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 the vinegar out of this. The problem is, and what it is, it's, it was a painkiller. It was a fermented mixture. It was a vinegar mixture. Barnes Notes says it had a stupefying effect. So in other words, that he, if he had begun to drink this, it would have begun to, to numb the pain, numb the effects. It goes for the central nervous system. It would have begun to dull his senses, and it would have begun to, to start uh, clouding uh, his thinking. It would have induced confusion. And so here he is. He refuses it because he wants a 100% clear mind of what he's doing. You, so you have to grasp this. You've got to grasp this truth that Christ suffered for you and I. That's why we're here. That's why we're born again. That's why we're on our way to heaven. Because not of what anything we did. It's because Jesus died for us. It's a work of grace. This is by the design of God that His Son would suffer in our place. Yet, yet here it is in the Scripture, and yet the body is unworthy. In other words, we are unworthy of what Jesus did, but He did it for us anyway, and He reaches into the Old Testament, and He says the irony of this thing is that they would take the animal, the sacrificial animal, they slit its throat, they drain the blood, the priest, goes into the Holy of Holies, scatters the blood on the mercy seat, comes back out, but the carcass of the animal that was sacrificed, it doesn't even go into the temple. They're going to burn it outside the camp. 
that here is the blood of an animal that has just committed the atonement for you and I, and yet the carcass itself, it's, they're going to take it out, the priest would take it out, and they're going to burn it into a, uh, in a place where they burned all the offerings, and he takes this, and he says, that is a picture of the Lord Jesus Christ. I want to talk to you. The call of every Christian, we have a call. The, the, the theme is, you know, making common men into disciples. This involves a supernatural work. But there's all, it, it, it speaks about a responsibility, the call of every disciple. If you are here and you call yourself a disciple, our call is to identify with Jesus Christ. I love it through the years. Every so often I'll meet somebody who says, well, I'm a Christian. You are. I didn't know that. Well, I am. I just don't tell people about Jesus. And of course, you know, our fellowship, I said, get saved, dude. You know. But first, let me ask, let me, let me discuss this. Okay, so we're called to identify with a crucified Christ. So what is identifying? Well, first, what is not identifying? Okay, what is not? Identifying with Jesus is not simply just wearing a Jesus t-shirt. Just, you know, and, and, and don't give, you know, we, we, you know, we all got something that, you know, but, but how many, you know, I've met lots of people wearing a Christ t-shirt that are not acting Christ-like. <laughs> Identifying with Jesus isn't getting Christian tattoos. <laughs> I can't even wrap my mind around that one. You know, it's like, I'm a Christian, but I'm going to have this pagan practice committed on me. Pagans tattoo themselves. It's not wearing a what would Jesus do bracelet. What would Jesus do? Well, I'll tell you what. Number one, he wouldn't wear a bracelet. (laughs) People right now. (laughs) Preach, yeah, preach. Amen, amen. Amen. You know, it's, it's like, you know, I get a, I get a, a crack up. And, and uh, you know, if I offend somebody, I don't care. <laughs> but how many have ever seen those big fat guys wearing NBA t-shirt? <laughs> you ever seen them big, I mean, walking around going, yeah, yeah, man, I'll tell you what, you know, the Bulls, man, the Bulls, you know, I said, I said, man, I'll tell you. And they're talking about, you know, uh, you know, uh, different guys. Oh, man, I hate, you know, I be, I be, I, you know, I be leaping like that, man. That's like, you know, Michael Jordan, you know. And that's, I you got the vertical leap of six inches. The only exercise this guy has seen is when they open the buffet. You know, he's got a San Diego Chargers jersey on, you know. Hey, 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 hey. I'm from San Diego, and I got the microphone. Okay, I'm relaxing now. Okay, here we go. But how many have ever seen that? You know, they're like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, you know, it's like, yeah, you know, oh, man, uh, Texas Rangers. You know, I'm a Rangers fan, by the way. And, and uh, you know, and, and here they are. I'm thinking, dude, go get some exercise, man. 
It, what, what are they doing? They're identifying. But listen to me. This is all symbolism. It's adorning the outside. A Jesus t-shirt. Uh, what would Jesus do? Braces. It's adorning the outside. It has no emphasis on what's going on in here. Verse 12. He suffered outside the gate. So how do you identify with Christ? We are Christians. We've been talking about it this week. And they were called Christians first at Antioch. It was a put down. It was a slight. It was a mockery. Just like when they call us Jesus freaks. Say, that's right, baby. Jesus freak. Whose freak are you? You, you identify with Jesus by suffering persecution. Amen. Not wearing, you know, not putting a Christian fish bumper sticker on the car. You identify with Christ by suffering persecution. He suffered outside the gates. I've lost my scriptures. Do we have that picture? If we can put it up. I want everybody to see this. This is an old photograph in 1880, a British explorer uh, uh, in, in, uh, uh, in Jerusalem. He was checking out some things. They had a Bible. They had a team of men. They're researching, and they found this location. They did research, retraced the steps of the way the, 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 the Jesus would have gone from the, the, the fortress of Antonios where Pilate would have sat, and they took this picture. This is Golgotha. The place of the skull. The nose uh, through the years was, was destroyed. It was broken off by Palestinians and stuff. And, uh, but this is what he saw. And they took the picture right there. And, and this is why they call it the place of the skull. There was no mistaking. It's the only location. And they have proven because of the proximity of the garden, the proximity of the tomb. They said this is where he was crucified. It's outside the city gate of Jerusalem. The, the, uh, the, 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 uh, uh, the king's highway went right through there, the north and south route. The, the Romans would crucify uh, 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 criminals, specific types of criminals. They would crucify them outside because of the Jews, the unclean. And so you killed, you executed, uh, condemned prisoners outside the gate. So there's therefore to keep the holiness in the city. And what the Romans would do, they would crucify criminals along the highway because any travelers coming in and out of the city, the Romans are wanting to make a statement, this is what we do with criminals. Do not cause trouble. And they would string them up many times uh, 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 like telephone poles, how we see telephone poles going down the street. That's how they would do it. They took Jesus to Golgotha. This is where condemned prisoners were executed. This was the execution area for, for, for criminals. And, th and so here the, the author, he takes a thought and he says, this is our altar. He says, we have an altar like no other altar. We have an altar where other people do not worship. They don't even get it. People don't understand. Say, I don't understand your commitment. You talk about Jesus. And, 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 and I don't understand why your commitment. My commitment is because of his commitment. Amen. 
Philippians 1, 29 and 30. For it has been granted unto you on behalf of Christ, not only to believe on him, but listen, but to also suffer for him. Oh, we don't like that part. He says, you've been granted. We've been given a measure of faith that we can believe. But on top of that, he says, it has also been granted to you and I that we may suffer for him. Colossians 1, 24 says, now I rejoice in what was suffered for you, and I fill up in my flesh what is still lacking in regard to Christ's affliction. New, uh, uh, international version, I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake, and in my flesh I am filling up what is lacking in Christ's suffering for the church. In other words, what he's saying, he's dovetailing the thoughts together. Jesus suffered for me, and I suffer for him. He says, and that is the call of every man and woman in this place. Listen to the Message Bible. I welcome the chance to take on my share of the suffering. I'll tell you what, that, that'll change your attitude in life. He says, I welcome, I welcome the chance to share in this. Is that your mentality? When it's time for outreach? Oh, well, you know, hey. 1968, my heart stopped when Pastor Mitchell talked about this the other day. In 1968, the North Koreans seized a U.S. spy ship, the USS Pueblo. It was off the coast of North Korea. It was, a, it was an electronic intelligence gathering. In other words, it was a spy ship, and that's fine. Uh, you know, but what had happened, it was seized by the North Korean Navy. It was straight by machine gun fire. A couple sailors were killed in the process. They took it in, but what was interesting is uh, uh, the crew, they took the crew, and uh, uh, some, they were kept up to a year and a half. They were tortured. They were uh, uh, badly mistreated. They were starved. But one of the things that the North Koreans would do is they would bring the soldiers, the sailors, into a room, put them into a large room with the chairs uh, in a circle, and they would all be pointing toward the center, and they were all put in there, and they don't know what's going on. And then they'd be sitting in this room, and then all of a sudden, at a designated moment, North Korean troops would uh, 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 open the doors, come in, and they would grab the man sitting in the chair closest to the door. They would take him out and then severely beat him and then bring him back. And then the next day, they would do the same thing. And whoever was in the seat closest the door, they would grab him, pull him out, beat him, and then send him back. The reason they did this is they were trying to break up the unity of these men, and what they wanted to do is instill infighting in them. In other words, get them fighting with each other so they can now move in and manipulate and gather information, turn you into a traitor, and what happened is they're thinking, in time, if we keep doing this, they're going to start fighting because nobody wants to sit in the chair. And they're going to start fighting with each other. And, 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 and uh, you know, whoever ends up sitting in the chair, they're going to beat the crud out of them. And, and then, of course, there's going to come a point, one of them is going to be afraid, and he's going to... The, re the, the direct opposite effect took place. When they realized what the Koreans were doing, and they said, this is the chair, something incredible happened. They became closer-knit, and every one of them, every day, when they were paraded into the room and they were made to sit down, and here they know that this is the chair, they began to call it the chair of honor. And rather than fighting with each other, they would all look at each other and take a step to the left. 
and every man would take his turn in the chair. And of course, the North Koreans would come in and grab, and of course, you know, being Americans, you know, they, you know, they, you know, you, yeah, go, yeah, yeah, you know, and the guy, they're hauling him away, and he's, you know, giving the Koreans the number one, you know. <laughs> the problem today is many popular Christians don't want to take their turn in the chair. They want to remove the persecution aspect of it. You know, because let's face it, this subject doesn't sell books in the Christian bookstore. <laughs> Smiley face in Texas is never going to preach a sermon on this. You know, I, I mean, could you just say, yeah, you're a beautiful people. <laughs> going to suffer persecution. <laughs> going to call you all matter of names. Going to get fired, going to lose your jobs. Might get beat up now and then, but you're beautiful. Somebody once said, the bigger the truth, the smaller the crowd. Hebrews eleven twenty six through 27 talks about Moses. Think about this, the mindset of Moses. He has the whole world at his fingertips, the wealthiest family on earth, most prestigious uh, 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 academia of its time, uh, colleges, universities, wealthy. He's, he's in line to command the most powerful marching army on earth at that time. And what's he make a statement? He gets the revelation of God to suffer persecution with the people of God is greater riches than all of this. Just like the video that, uh, that we saw of the gold that they discovered in India. He says, oh, no, 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 no. To suffer persecution with the people of God far outweighs anything that, that Egypt has to offer me. The problem is, is we take on a wrong attitude toward persecution. How many of you have ever had somebody on the job have it in for you? You ever had a foreman that's got it in for you? You're in the military. Your sergeant's doing everything he can to make your life miserable. You're that Jesus freak and hallelujah and all these different things. They give you rotten shifts and rotten assignments and all this thing in an effort to, to try to demean you and demoralize you. And what, what the author is saying, no, 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 no. We wear that like a badge. He says, we wear it like a badge of honor. Not some weird perverted, you know, you know like, you know, smack. Ah, thank you, sir. May I please have another? You know, I'm not talking about something, you know, like slap me again. Slap me. You know, you're not some sick. Second Timothy chapter 3, verse 12. Listen, what does Paul say? He says, listen to me, son. He says, he's writing to this pastor. He says, listen to me. Something you need to tell your congregation. All who live godly are going to suffer persecution. Why? Because we're different. We have an altar that we worship that the world does not get. Identifying with Christ also involves an element of separation. Verse 13, therefore let us go unto him outside the camp bearing his reproach. Amen. All week long we've heard sermons and, and messages and people talking about holiness and righteousness. Some, you know, we, we heard God says, be you holy as I am holy. 
But to follow Christ means that we're naturally going to stand out from the crowd. We're not going to win popularity contests. I remember years ago, someone talking about, oh, we need to be popular in favor and all this and stuff and can't have that. Listen to me. It's not the book I read. My, my Bible tells me they had to kill Jesus to shut him up. My Bible tells me there's coming a day they're going to kill Christians to shut them up. And we're going to naturally stand out. Jesus said, broad is the way that leads to destruction. Narrow is the path that leads to life everlasting. And then he finishes off with a beautiful thought. And few there will be that are going to find it. Here God talks to the prophet and he, has, he says, let me ask you something. He says, if the priest, if when the priest is carrying the utensils for the, sanct, for, for, for the ceremony in the temple, he says, if he's carrying the holy utensils and he accidentally bumps something that is unholy, something that is unclean, he says, did that unclean thing, did that unholy thing suddenly become holy? And the prophet says, no, actually, the direct opposite. The holy thing just became compromised. It's like surgeons when they're preparing and they're washing. And what do they do? You see them. They've washed their hands with a special type of soap. And they turn the valve off with their elbow. And they walk without touching anything into the, emerg into the operating room. And they're going to have special sterile gloves put on because they cannot become contaminated. And here he takes this picture. He says the high priest, if he's carrying holy utensils and he bumps something unholy, he says, no, 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 that thing, that vase he just touched, that wall, that beam he just bumped, that didn't just become a holy thing. You just compromised the holy thing. It just became unholy. It just became unclean. And it's amazing how many Christians today call themselves a disciple. They say, I'm living a life of Christ. I follow. I am holy like God is holy. But you're not going to be holy doing unholy things. You can't touch unholy things and somehow think you're going to keep your holiness. You can't say unholy things. You can't cast your eye on unholy things and think, oh, I'm, I'm holy. You're fooling yourself. Why do you think in the Old Testament God gave instructions to Israel? When you enter the promised land, you're to destroy all the heathen altars. Destroy them all. Tear them down and burn them up. Why? Because if you don't, in time, you'll start flirting with them. You start hanging around them. You start looking at them. Well, let me just see what they're doing. Wow, that's a cool ceremony. Wow, that bell worship's pretty cool. Because he understood that if you leave the altars up in, in time, you will start flirting with them. Before you know it, you'll start worshiping. When you go on the trip to Israel, it's amazing when you go and see the ruins of the temples of old. And you go there, and here are pagan, pagan uh, symbolism carved into the beams of the temple. We go to one, there's a Medusa carved. You know, the one with the snakes. Another one, Ra, the sun god. And then it just goes, and you're thinking, my God, this is a temple. But what had happened is they started bringing in unholy things. And so God says, I don't want that to happen. I want you to destroy all the altars. 
This involves, amen, the, 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 again, the thought, the element of separation. You cannot be a Christian. You cannot call yourself a disciple. If this element does not reside in your heart, you have to be separate. And so I don't understand. How can we gonna be different? How can, because we are different. We are different. We're not of this world, folks. We're one day the Lord, he's going to, the archangel's going to blow the horn and we're out of here. I, I wish, I pray. I know it says a twinkling of an eye and, you know, and all this and that. And, but I, oh, I hope that God would like give us three seconds notice. You want to just look at the co-workers and go, see ya, saga. We're different. You cannot be holy without separation. The holy utensils, they didn't keep them down at Arizona Avenue and Chandler. You know, they're just, oh, they're just in a little taco cart on the corner there. That's where we keep the holy utensils. You know, the holy. Of course, they were kept away. There were even instructions on how you're to store them because they are holy, folks. That's the same thought with you and I. We are holy utensils in the hands of God. The Bible says, be not conformed to this world, but be you transformed by the renewing of your mind. Identifying with Christ also involves an element of confrontation. Listen to me. There is no way around it. Outreaching. Listen, the kingdom of God is the, the kingdom of light confronting the kingdom of darkness. It is going up to somebody and telling them, you're wrong. You're wrong. I know that. I, you know, and it could be family. Grandma, I know, I know, I know, I know but, but grandma, you're wrong. This is what the Word of God says. This is not going to make us popular. In today's modern Christianity, they want to remove the persecution factor, the holiness factor, the confrontation factor. You know, we want to, you, you know, it's like, it's like smiley face again. I can't, in his book, two, two words you're never going to hear in my church, hell and sin. Well, let me tell you something. If I had not heard those two words, I'd have never gotten saved. Acts 10, 36 through 40. Well, I don't really have time to read it. It's a long one. But anyway, what they're doing is here they're laying out. It's basically Jesus came, was born, and, and suffered persecution. He died. He resurrected and was witnessed by, by us. But then he says, interesting, but he finishes that. He says, and he commanded us to preach. He says, he resurrected, he saw us, he fellowshiped with us for 40 days, and then he ascended and he commanded us to preach. Final instructions, folks. Our marching orders are go ye into all the world and preach the gospel. And that is a confrontation. Amen. I'm not talking about being mean and nasty and obnoxious and, and, and anything. You know, you know what I'm saying? I, I, I mean, I remember as a, as a new convert, I, God only knows how many people I probably killed, potential people. You know, because, you know, go to give them a flyer, go to witness them. Hey, I'm not interested. Okay, fine, go to hell. I'm going to burn. You know, you, you kind of learn some things. You, you know, you ain't going to win them like that. But there's no way around it to be spiritual because everybody wants to be spiritual. 
Everybody, oh, I just want to be so spiritual. Oh, I want to know him. Oh, Pastor, oh, my heart bleeds. I want to know Jesus closer. Oh, I just want to be so... Well, what did Paul say? That I may know him and the fellowship of his suffering. It's like, wow, now, now there's a... <laughs> you know, you have fellowships. You know, hey, I'm just saying, hey, we're having a, a dessert fellowship. You want to come over? Hey, we're having salsa and chips, man, tonight. You want to come over? How about this fellowship? Hey, we're all suffering. Come on over, man. Room for one more. Room for one more. <laughs> but how many times, you know, what's the Bible say? There's going to be people ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. You can have all the Bible knowledge. You can have your head full of facts and figures and everything like this and have no revelation of God. Revelation is not knowledge. Revelation is not intellect. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 13 Paul says, I believe, therefore I speak. Another translation, I believe, therefore I preach. Another translation, I believe, therefore I proclaim. In other words, you can't, it is a direct opposite. It's, 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 it's a contradictory thought like jumbo shrimp. You know, it's, it, it, it's, it's an oxymoron, a Christian a Christian that doesn't outreach, a Christian that doesn't witness. I understand work schedules don't, you know, put the rocks down, you know. I, you know, I understand, I understand all that. But I, I got a problem with somebody that, 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 that doesn't share their faith. There's something like, listen, I got saved. I didn't know a scripture. I couldn't quote a scripture if my life depended on it. I got saved on a Tuesday night at a conference of all things. And Saturday, I was on outreach. Didn't, I didn't know what I was, I was just following, you know, Dave Johnson around, you know, and just, you know, didn't have a clue what it was. In fact, I, I jacked up a Mormon that night. It was just, <laughs> that's another sermon. But witnessing draws attention to you. It's, 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 again, it's identifying with Christ publicly. Again, as they led Jesus to Golgotha, the place of the skull, now the author says, let us go therefore unto him. This is the separation that, no, we're not like the world. We're not like the rest of you. That's our Savior. He died in this place, and we're going to go there. And you can call me Jesus freak, and you can do whatever you want, but I, I rejoice. Yes, I'm a Christian. Yes, I tell people about Jesus. Yes, Jesus is the only thing I ever talk about. This is no light thing. When they went, we, we've been talking about this all week long. Uh, outreaches. Listen, you know, today we, we're afraid, you know, people go on an outreach, you know, and ever have a door slam in your hand? Ever had a door, you know, don't we hate it? Or the guy that's, you know, the little pipsqueak. It's always some short little loser guy. You give him a, you give him a flyer, he goes, nah, get out of here. Nah. You know, he throws it back. I lost it one time. Don't do this. But, but, but this guy, he threw it down on the ground, and, 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 and something just snapped. And I said, hey, pick it up. Pick it up. You know. said if you don't want it just tell me give it back to me but don't throw it down on the ground <laughs> and then I'm looking to see any of my folks 
like, okay, I'm losing it, man. But you know, today, what's the worst thing? We go on an outreach, man. They, they call us a name. They call the cops on us or something like that. Listen to me. Back then, when the Bible was being written, you went on an outreach, you could disappear. You could go on an outreach, and you are not coming back. A husband tells his wife and kids, listen, I'm going to go outreach before dinner time, and he never came home. Understand this. And he's going that's our heritage. That's our heritage. He says, that's, that's how it works, to go on an outreach, to be a witness. The very word witness means martyr. It means martyr, folks. You die to self. You die to pride. You die to ambition. You die, why? Because Christ died for us first. And he says in the scripture, he says, let us therefore go out and be with him. That we wear the term Christian, we wear it with pride, and we wear it with honor. That's right, I am a Christian, and I am not afraid to take my seat, to take my turn at the seat of persecution. I do not shun away for it. Yeah, we don't pursue it, we don't go looking for it, but when it comes, we don't shy away from it. Somebody asks, hey man, are you a Jesus freak? You hold your head up with honor and you go, you're darn tootin' I am. I'm saved. And now I'll even tell people, you don't like me now. You wouldn't like me when I was a cop. So you would not like me when I was a sinner. I didn't like me when I was a sinner. We have an altar. This is our altar, folks. It's called Golgotha. Next time you feel like complaining, next time you feel like, you know, oh, this is, no, no, no. You just remember where Jesus paid the price for you and I. Amen. Amen. That's all I have. God bless you. Thanks again for listening to the free version of the VBPH Sermon Podcast, where we post sermons on Mondays, Wednesdays, Fridays, and Sundays. We also have a premium version of this podcast, which posts sermons and interviews every single day of the week. So why would you want to subscribe? I'm glad you asked. I have five reasons for you. Number one, on the premium version, we post full versions of Testimony Tuesday, Pastor Campbell Thursday, and Study Day Saturday. If you'd like to hear those episodes, then subscribe now. Reason number two, uninterrupted listening. We remove all ads and all extraneous content from our premium feed. Reason number three, premium episodes always release six hours earlier than the free version. If you're an early bird, it's a great reason to subscribe. Number four, our subscribers will gain access to our sermon chat group on WhatsApp, where we interact directly with listeners around the globe. If you'd like to chat with other premium subscribers, subscribe today. And finally, every dollar we raise goes to world evangelism. This is the best reason to subscribe because you are helping us launch churches all around the world. We don't put one dime in our pockets. Everything that we raise from this podcast will go directly to Thursday night of Chandler Conference. So please subscribe today by using the links in the show notes below. Thanks. Thank you so much for listening to the sermon podcast of the Virginia Beach Potter's House Church. 
Were you blessed by today's message? Let us know. Please leave us a rating on Apple Podcast or on Podchaser. We'll be back next time with another life-changing word from heaven. God bless.